Hey, folks. On Wednesday, the Supreme Court heard arguments in a reproductive rights case that could threaten the longstanding precedent established in Roe v. Wade. It's the first abortion case to come before the court since President Trump appointed two new conservative justices, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. All eyes are on Chief Justice John Roberts, the anticipated swing vote on a court that has shifted to the right. Meanwhile, District Court Judge Reggie Walton, a George W. Bush appointee, strongly reprimanded Attorney General Bill Barr over his handling of the Mueller report's rollout. In a scathing opinion, Judge Walton said that Barr put forward a misleading account of the report and that his, quote, lack of candor calls into question his credibility, close quote. And of course, the spread of the coronavirus continues to unleash chaos on governments and markets around the world. In the United States, eight states have now declared states of emergency to combat the virus. Meanwhile, on Monday, the stock market had its worst day since the 2008 financial crisis, tumbling nearly 8%. Through it all, President Trump has continued to lash out at his political opponents, on Friday calling one Democratic governor in Washington a snake. I talk about all this and more with Ann Milgram on the Cafe Insider podcast. Each week, we break down politically charged legal issues making the headlines. Today, we are making a clip from the most recent episode available in the Stay Tuned feed. To listen to our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And now college students with a valid EDU email qualify for a special discount. Head to cafe.com slash student and sign up at a special rate. Again, that's cafe.com slash student. We look forward to having you as part of the insider community. And so we should talk about it a little bit. It's a case that arises out of a controversy in the state of Louisiana. It's called June Medical Services. And it relates to a law, and there are lots of laws like this that are being passed in various states around the country that attempt to chip away at abortion rights by mandating in the name of safety for women, all sorts of restrictions on who can perform an abortion and under what circumstances. And in the Louisiana case, it relates specifically to a regulation that requires that anyone who's performing, any doctor who's performing an abortion in Louisiana must be able to have admitting privileges at a hospital within 30 miles of where the abortion is performed, which on its face, and there are other states who have passed laws like this, on its face seems like, well, that seems to make sense for a couple of reasons. One, the proponents of the law will say, it makes sure that you're getting a higher quality kind of doctor. So someone who has admitting privileges at a major hospital, that's a good thing. And then second, if there are complications that arise from the procedure, from the abortion, then there's a nearby hospital at which the doctor can have admitting privileges and admit the patient. The facts don't bear that out. Yes. Um, and the record in case after case doesn't bear that out, that actually abortion is, is, is quite a safe procedure done by a medical doctor. There, and there are, there are many other procedures that are actually much more like, complicated. Like an endoscopy. Exactly. There's, there are all sorts of things. Where you don't need admitting procedures to a hospital. Right. So, so you know, there's, there's a name for these, for these laws that are being passed. People have given an acronym to these laws that are being passed. They're called TRAP laws, Targeted Regulation of Abortion Providers, where under the guise of trying to give protection and safety and medical health to folks, they're taking away the rights. And the, and the consequences of passing laws like this, particularly in states like Louisiana, is that according to one report, this requirement would actually close every single abortion facility in the state but for one. And I want to get your, your thoughts on this. One of the issues at stake here is, you know, the Supreme Court in 2016, it's not a long time ago, actually decided a case that sounds an awful lot like this. It wasn't Louisiana. It it's was Texas. Texas. Yeah. And it's a case called Whole Women's Health that was decided 5-3, where they had an admitting privileges law restriction 
on the books. And the Supreme Court decided that was an undue restriction on reproductive rights on the part of women. And the case was decided by the swing vote of Justice Kennedy. Justice Kennedy, Kennedy, yes. uh, Who voted along with the liberals. And a lot of people are asking the question, Senator Schumer and others, why would the Supreme Court take up this case when you're talking about virtually the same kind of thing, admitting privileges in Louisiana when you already decided a case one way in Texas? And a lot of observers correctly point out. There's one thing that's different. The makeup of the court. Yes. Kennedy is gone. And, and Gorsuch and, and Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh are, are on the bench. Are on the bench. Yes. And now we've been talking about Justice Roberts. He will figure prominently here because he is essentially the, the sort of the center swing vote on the court. And, and some people have suggested from the arguments on the case that you know, he may be sympathetic to this idea that the Texas case should govern. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, so there's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, let's just stay on Roberts for one second, because I, I think it's important for people to understand the complexity of this, um, which is that Roberts was in the dissent on the prior the Texas, Texas case. case, which is called Whole Women's Health. And so in that case, it was 5-3. Kennedy voted with the liberal justices. Here, it's really a 4-4 breakdown with Roberts being the fifth. And Roberts previously was in the dissent. Basically, he didn't agree with this idea that the Texas law should be ruled unconstitutional. He thought that it was a reasonable restriction on the right to an abortion. And so I think that there are real issues around what Roberts does. I mean, if you just looked at how he'd voted in the past, you would say, absolutely, he's going to vote to uphold the Louisiana law and restrict, further restrict women's rights. But he's also the chief justice. This isn't just precedent, meaning a prior case that is exactly on point that courts usually follow. It's really recent precedent. So you're talking about, you know, essentially... Four years. Four years, which is nothing in the in the sort of Supreme Court jurisprudence history. And so this is a real question. Let's also go back just for a second, because I think one of the things people have to understand, or at least it's worth, we've, we've done work around um, a number of these cases and some of the other state laws, because the Supreme Court started in Roe versus Wade going back they read this qualified right to an abortion into the 14th Amendment of the Constitution. And at the time, if you remember, they did it in terms of viability. When was a fetus viable? And most states tended to go between 22 and 24 months. And after viability... Weeks. Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I I felt like I was pregnant for a long time. That was the elephant. That was the elephant law. That related to the gestational period of those large mammals, mostly in Africa and sometimes in Asia. (laughs) In a separate Yes. Um, And Roe dealt with viability, which basically said around 22, 24 weeks, the fetus became viable and allowed restrictions on who could have an abortion after the viability point. Meaning, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about many states passed laws that said after viability, abortions would only be permitted in cases where there was a risk to the health of the mother or it had been a rape or something else. And so... So Roe sort of allowed this small section of the space to basically be regulated. Then there came a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which changes Roe in what I think is an important way, basically saying that it's going to allow states to pass reasonable regulations on the right to an abortion. And basically the question is whether those regulations place an undue burden on women seeking abortions. And so that is how you get to this point in 2016 where a ton of states, conservative states, have passed laws restricting additional state regulations trying to limit the right to an abortion. Yeah, like, for example, parental consent, consent of the father, 
admitting privileges. Even 24-hour, the, the, the simpler ones, which we all know yeah. and have been upheld, 24-hour waiting periods, multiple visits to a clinic, so you can't just go on the same day and and, and have a procedure so all performed. Sorts of ways, all sorts of ways, provisions, policies in the minds of anti-abortion folks to figure out how to make abortion more difficult. Yes. So if you step back just for a minute and think about this, what is happening is that the makeup of the Supreme Court has changed. The conservatives count five votes. Roberts has traditionally been anti-abortion, has been in you know very much against the sort of Roe v. Wade right. like group of cases, and so they're and, making. And he's upheld, I think, almost always restrictions. These restrictions, yes, and so they're making this play that that gives them five votes, and so that is why that this has come back very quickly. And not everyone agrees with this effort to do this because. You know, it it could be that Roberts basically doubles down and says, no, you know, there's a precedent and we don't want to get into this sort of process of... Well, Roberts sometimes surprises us. And a lot of conservatives don't like Justice Roberts because of his vote on the Affordable Care Act. Yes. Right? Yes, exactly. Um, But here, you know, from what I've read about the arguments, Justice Roberts does seem to be a little concerned, not just about the fact that you have this recent precedent, but this idea, if you're going to decide the Louisiana case differently from the Texas case, because the impact in Louisiana is different because it's very, very fact-based. How many clinics are there? How many doctors can be admitted? All those different, you know, really concrete, fact-specific differences between Texas and Louisiana, Justice Roberts, I think, correctly asks, so how are we going to do this now? Are we going to do a case-by-case, state-by-state, Supreme Court decision-making analysis to yeah. decide Which the, where it's okay and where it's not. That and the court rarely right. does that, right? And so as a rule, the court doesn't want to be essentially the fact finder. What's also important is that the the 2016 decision in Whole Women's Health, in that decision, what the Supreme Court did was they struck down the Texas abortion restrictions because the law, quote, provides few, if any, health benefits for women, close quote, and open quote, poses a substantial obstacle to women seeking abortions, close quote. And so the real point, I think, that the court, the Supreme Court now is going to have to decide is that there's like virtually no evidence that there's a health benefit for women. Again, it's a, right. it's a remarkably right. safe and procedure. That's not, and that's not specific to Texas or Louisiana. Exactly. So on that side of the equation, the circumstances are the same. Yes. What's different is, as you point out, on the other side of the equation. The level of the obstacle. Right. And whether the court should engage in this sort of factual fact-finding. In Texas, there's going to be zero doctors in a part of the state. In Louisiana, there's one. Is that sufficient? And and by the way, the, the state took issue with the facts that were put out that there would only be one provider that was still left in Louisiana. But it's very clear that there would be a significant restriction, whether their facts are correct or the, the plaintiff's facts are correct. The other problem is, if we're really deciding Supreme Court cases that are supposed to be based on principle, constitutional law, if we're really deciding them based on a snapshot in time today, if there's an abortion provider in this part of the state specifically, but then for all time that jurisprudence is in place, what happens when circumstances change? What happens when that place closes or that doctor moves to Texas or some other state? Also, It seems seems ludicrously locally fact-based to decide a case of this magnitude. Yeah, and here's the other question. So there was an editorial in the New York Times that said the the Louisiana law could prevent some 70% of women in Louisiana from being able to get an abortion in the state. Is the Supreme Court going to decide it's okay to restrict 50% of the people or is it 60%? Is it 20%? Like, is that where the court wants to be making a decision? And really isn't the point of Casey, basically, it can't be an undue burden and there has to be a valid reason that for the restriction. And again, I mean, my feeling is, 
Roberts is weighing, I'm with you on this, Roberts is really weighing this along with the precedent question. And so he could come out two ways on this. One is if he wants to find with the plaintiffs who are the the abortion service providers in Louisiana, he could come out and basically say, number one, you know, we respect precedent and the president is very clear on this. Number two, he could really go through this point of, you know, the Supreme Court should not be doing a fact-by-fact case state-by-state. And there are a lot of states. And that kind of means that I can't remember how many states have passed restrictions, additional restrictions, but there are a lot. And that means the Supreme Court would have to hear, not just in this space, but would potentially be opening themselves up to hear every single factual issue on a new restriction against providers. You know, there's one other legal argument that's being made on behalf of the state of Louisiana in support of this restrictive law, and that is that the plaintiffs don't have standing. And the plaintiffs in the case is the abortion provider. And we don't have to get into all the details. We talk about standing in some other contexts on the show from time to time. First, as the liberal justices have made clear in connection with the argument, there's been case after case after case successfully brought and heard by the Supreme Court where the plaintiff is the abortion provider. So when you ask the question, well, who would have better standing? It could be women who are potentially being harmed by this potential patients or people who are seeking an abortion because the state of Louisiana did not object on the ground of standing until the last minute, the plaintiffs weren't able to add some of these other folks who might have been in a better position for standing. Right. But let's also just go back to the underlying reason that there's been case after case allowing the providers to litigate, which is the following reason. You're not pregnant forever, right? And so it's a, it's one of those spaces where, I don't know, it's nine and a half months. Um, and so it's something that you know, we've talked a lot about how long it takes cases to go through the court system. It basically longer than it takes to have a baby. Exactly, right. exactly. And so, basically, it means that women would never have the opportunity to have these issues raised because of the fact that pregnancy. You know, you have right. a baby, pregnancy ends, and then the and case then would this, be moot if you we said have this that, concept. Right? We have this doctrine of mootness, so they they are in conflict with each other because Look, there'd be but, no. But it may be case. a way out if some justices, as they sometimes do, don't want to reach the merits of the case and say, "Well, we're striking it down because of lack of standing." I don't think that solves the question. I don't think it'll, it'll I don't come think it, out that I don't way. think it's going to be a standing issue. Although I, think I will step say, up to the merits. So Alito was interested in that argument, and it's a way to really try to, again, eviscerate Roe and really step back Roe. Because if you stop saying that the providers can litigate the restrictions that are essentially being brought against them, you end up in a situation where you're potentially never going to have a plaintiff who can litigate. Can I make a political point yeah. to wrap this up? To me, it's really important that Donald Trump be defeated. And whatever kind of progressive you are, Bernie Sanders progressive, up to a Joe Biden progressive. I know some people will say, well, he's not, but he is. And he'll be more progressive even than Barack Obama, who was also progressive the way I understand that term. And there are some people who are called moderates and some people who are called democratic socialists, but they have a shared agenda of different particulars, but they have a shared agenda. And one of those items on the shared agenda is the upholding of reproductive rights on the part of women in this country. And those rights are really, they're really under attack. Yes, and, and specifically for the people who support Bernie Sanders or others, who think there's no difference between Joe Biden and Donald Trump, just consider this one issue. Donald Trump gets reelected. He will probably go from a 5-4 court to almost certainly a 7-2 court. Agreed. Abortion is gone. Agreed. I agree very strongly. Just think about that. No matter what other issue you care about. And Roberts will not be able to hold any sort of institutional or any precedent. Because the likelihood that Trump will be be in a position to replace both Justice Breyer and Justice Ginsburg is high. In the next five years. Agreed. We also need to say that a lot of damage has already been done because Trump and Mitch McConnell have put in not just Supreme Court justices, but countless 
appellate judges. So the circuit court judges, they have filled those at astonishingly high rate, um, at a higher rate than the Democratic presidents have done. And so the bench right now is skewing very differently than it did before. And here, this is an example where the district court judge, the line judge who first handled the case in federal court, found struck down the Louisiana law. The Fifth Circuit, which is traditionally conservative, then ruled to overturn that and to uphold the law. That's the case that's gone to the Supreme Court. And so the sort of way in which the focus of the Republicans has been on courts and the focus of the Democrats has not shows in many, many instances, and, and look, there's a lot of unfairness in, in the Merrick Garland thing with President Obama, so it's a longer conversation, but it matters right now for 2020. The bottom line is you re-elect Donald Trump, Roe is gone. Agreed. Maybe you like that, maybe you don't, but I'm guessing progressive things. I hope you've enjoyed this sample of the Cafe Insider podcast. To listen to the full episode, Head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. Interested students with a valid EDU email can head to cafe.com slash student. To the many of you who have chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work.